Praise the Lord. All right. Let's get into the word of the Lord. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans. And I'm going to pick up uh, about where I left off last week. And uh, we talked about last week about how that Paul, in defending the New Testament way of salvation, the plan of salvation and the way people worship and their commitment to Jesus Christ fulfills the law. The reason being is that there were Jews in his day who said that they had to go back and live under the law even though they were Christians. They had to fulfill all the law requirements and uh, keeping of the law and so forth. And Paul said, no, that's not necessary. Not only did Paul say that, but all of the other 12 apostles all agreed. But there were still some of those Jewish Pharisees who had become Christians who had said, no, you've got to keep the Old Testament law. And so they were always mudding the water in some of these Gentile churches. And Paul was having to straighten them out as he went. So he spends the first seven chapters in the book of Romans explaining to them how that the New Testament plan, that is the dispensation of grace, Jesus Christ being the center of it, how that it fulfills the law. And so we went through all of that, and I'm not going to say any more about it, except that when Paul comes down to the end of the seventh chapter, he talks about how that the law, even though it was perfect and pure and was of God, I'm talking about the law of the Old Testament now, how that the law was perfect and pure because we were sinful and we are sinful flesh, it was therefore not successful with us. And he finally said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And uh, no, no matter how hard we try, we just couldn't measure up to God's requirement for us to live as he did require it. And he finally concludes with his seventh, in the end of the seventh chapter, I'm just going to read a few verses that I've already talked on that I'm going to move on to our lesson today. And I'm looking at 719, for Paul sort of gives us a sort of a sad note here. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. He's, he's trying to say, I want to do good, but I just can't find myself to measure up to do what I should do. And I'm always dropping the ball. I'm fumbling here and there. Verse 21 down through 24 he says, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He was trying to say as much as I wanted to do right, it seemed like I was always messing up and doing the wrong thing. And so... He finally says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And so he just says, you know, what's going to happen? And then in chapter 8, the whole thing is turned over. In fact, the last verse in the, in the seventh chapter, verse 25, he says it like this. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself, uh, I serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then in the eighth chapter, everything changes. And this is what he says. And from here on, he deals with why the dispensation of grace, the New Testament, 
is the way to go and not trying to go back and keep the law. So he says here in chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. He's speaking here of that Old Testament and how that the spirit that was in Christ, praise the Lord, is now in us. Now there's one spirit by which we're all baptized into one body. God is a spirit. That spirit is called the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is the old English word for it. You well know that. And it's the one that the King James Version uses. So in the Bible, it says Holy Ghost. It means Holy Spirit or God's spirit or spirit of Christ. Same thing. Now in verse four here, chapter eight, he says this, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if we live according to God by the spirit, then we don't fulfill the will of the flesh and therefore, we, we are able to accomplish what God wants, to, wants us to do. We're able to live above sin, and we're able to live and walk with God. It doesn't mean we don't fumble the ball ourselves. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that the Spirit of God makes us perfect yet, even though that time is coming. We're not perfect yet, but that we strive to be. And because we are further advanced than what the law could bring us, therefore, the Spirit of God is very important in our lives And what he begins to bring out here is that the necessity, the essentiality absolutely of the spirit of God is there that we may have that on the inside. That's why Acts 2.38 and 2.39 says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Baptism remits our sins. Remit means takes it all away. And so we are baptized to have our sins remitted and ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, our Holy Spirit. And this promise is unto you and to your children and to them. It was a promise. Unto you, your children, and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So the Spirit is available to us. And this is why Paul is talking about the Spirit here. So he's trying to tell the Roman church, we are not under the law anymore. We're under grace. And then he goes on to say here in verse 5, look, look at this very carefully here. He says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6, I made an 8-6 now. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. That means it's an enemy of is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. He's talking here about the carnal mind. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If we live according to the will of the flesh, we do not and cannot please God. Verse nine, but we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In the flesh or in the spirit, meaning walking according to the spirit, the spirit in us. Jesus said, just as I am in the father and father is in me, so shall I be in you and you in me. So as Christ's spirit is in us, we are in him. Everybody understand what I'm saying? And the Bible here says how that we are in Christ in that fashion. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. If now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. 
So it's essential to have the spirit of God to live for God. And this is what we had talked about last week. And we ended our Bible study last week discussing how important it was to have the spirit of God in our hearts. That we might live for God as God would have us to live for him today. Praise the Lord. Don't try to live for God just within yourself, you know. We got to have the spirit of the Lord. And if you do not have the Holy Ghost and you don't have his wonderful spirit inside of you, ask God to give it to you. The Bible said he gives it to us freely. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and you shall be uh, opened and, uh, and, and seek and you shall find. So the Lord wants us to have his spirit. If you don't have the spirit of God, by all means, seek the Lord. Ask God for it. That's why the altar calls are given down here in our services and all to give people a chance to say, Jesus, I want your spirit above everything else. And you've got to want it with all your heart. And you've got to be willing to leave Egypt and come out of Egypt. Praise the Lord and head for Canaan's land to be able to be able to walk with God and have that spirit that the Lord will give you. Now, I want to move into a new area. If you'll stay with me here, we're in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. And just two verses down in verse 11, He says this, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. Now, this is very interesting because he moves from the essentiality of the spirit to live for God to the necessity of the spirit to be caught away in the rapture or to go in the resurrection. Not only is the spirit essential to be able to live for him in this life, but we got to have his spirit to be in the resurrection. Everybody understand what we're saying? And that's what the word is saying here. I'm going to read this 11th verse again. He says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, this is talking about the resurrection now. If it dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Praise the Lord. And so Paul at this point moves into the necessity of the spirit that we might have or might be in the resurrection and then therefore have a glorified body like as in his glorified body. Now I'm going to read a few verses to you here. I'm going to pick up at verse 14 because Paul goes into detail here to talk about the resurrection of the body. And I'll get further into this as we go along. And uh, I want you to look very closely here with with us in these verses. Look at 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God. For ye have not received, verse 15, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Let me just say one word here. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, will take away a spirit of fear in your heart. I fear what's coming on the, down the road. I fear what's going to happen in the world. I, I fear what may happen to my family, my kids, my marriage, my uh, job. I mean, it can go on and on. Fear, you know. Let me just say this. The Holy Ghost can give you a security that you say, God, I know your hand is on me. Your hand's on everything. You're going to look after us. And it can take away that fear of your heart. And if you ever get where you're experiencing that fear and that fear grips you, you go to God in prayer. That's the key, always the key. If you have the Holy Ghost, you go to God in prayer and say, Lord, you've not given us the spirit of fear. Help us, God, help me, Jesus, to overcome this spirit of fear 
and the Lord will give you an assurance, a confidence, and he'll give you the word. And all of a sudden you'll say, you know, I don't know about all the ins and outs, but I know the Lord's with me. Praise the Lord. And he'll see me through. Hallelujah. And he will. I promise you that the word says he will, and he will do it. So in that 15th verse, he said, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Now hold on to this word adoption. I'm going to talk to you about the word of adoption. I've given you the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba is, is, a, uh, is a, it's a, uh, uh, it's a modern, uh, sort of a modern Hebrew word uh, for father, but it's not just dad, but it's like saying father in the sense that I'm your heir. It's, it's a deeper meaning than just saying, hey, dad, or hey, you know, hey, daddy, how you doing or whatever. But it's like saying I am yours. It's not like saying, uh, oh, he's like a father to me. No, no, no. This is like you are my father. You begat me and I am your heir. And the heir, the, the factor of the heir is attached to the Abba Father. And it appears about four times in the entire Bible altogether. I'm going to read the words here to you. Receive not the spirit of adoption, but you have received the spirit of adoption, rather, whereby we cry, Abba Father, meaning we argued the heirs of God. And then it goes on to say, verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. So that if Jesus was the son of God, now we are going to be sons of God. Praise the Lord. And he ties that all together. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Praise the Lord. So what it's saying here that just as Jesus rose from the dead and was glorified, if we walk with God and serve the Lord in the spirit, praise God, one of these days we are going to be resurrected. And when we are resurrected, praise the Lord, we will have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body and we will be with the Lord. Now, I want you to look at the next few verses here. I'm going to move into this uh, the 18th verse here. I want to share some things with you here. But we are the children of God through adoption. Before I do, I want you to look at for a moment over here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. I'm going to read these two and 18. Uh, look at 5, 16. This I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. This is why it's important to have the spirit of God. But if you be led of the spirit, you, sh will, you are not under the law. So the Lord tells us here in these words that he is going to help us then to be able to walk with him in the spirit and in truth. Now that's in the fifth chapter. If you look back at Galatians chapter four and verse four, 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 this is just one chapter back in Galatians. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Very much what Paul was saying over here in Romans. This is what is being brought out here in the book of Galatians as well. I want you to look at something here. He says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, uh, made under the law. When the Bible talks about God sending his son, most people think God sent his son. God's up there. He sent his son. That's not the way it was. God sent his son into the world like this. God, the spirit in Christ, sent him out into the world. And so when it says God sent his son, he sent him out into the world. That's why it says here, and look at this very closely, God sent his son made of a woman. So Jesus Christ was a man and the spirit of God sent him. It wasn't talking about God sending him down from heaven, talking about him sending him into the world to preach, to minister, to do the work that was the will of God that he might do. And uh, to sort of give you understanding on that, look over here in, uh, look over here in John 17, 18. I'm, I'm on a little side note here, so stay with me for just a moment. Look at John 17, 18. He says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Speaking, Jesus is praying in the, in the garden here before he was crucified. And he's talking about his disciples. As thou hast sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. Speaking of his disciples. So I'm just trying to help you to understand the word sending. And if you ever come across that, a lot of people like to always say, God sent the son, so God's still up there. The son's down here. There's two persons, you know, two people involved. That's not what it means. God, the spirit in Christ, sent him out into the world. Just as the spirit sent me out into the world, so the spirit, I have sent my disciples out into the world. Everybody with me on that? And of course, they're using the word made of woman, meaning that this is when Christ was fully grown and and went out into his ministry. And then it goes on to say to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So here again, this is, uh, it brings out to us here the sense of the adoption. Now, I'm going to go a little further in this. I want you to look with me here. I'm reading here in uh, Romans uh, chapter eight now. And uh, it says here, Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth. Uh, Let me read 18 and 19 together again so we don't have a disjointed here. Look at 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed unto us. He's talking about the resurrection. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature, which is the body, the flesh. I'll get more into this in just a moment waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Manifestation means he waits for God's sonship in us to be revealed. Manifestation is to be be made known. That's what the word manifestation means, to to make it known. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity. That's the flesh. Not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. He's talking about the flesh here. He's talking about the flesh. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, that means all living on the earth, all that's created of the earth, groaneth 
and travaileth in pain together until now. That's animal life. That's people. They groan. They go through suffering. That's because we're on this earth earthly. We've got earthly bodies. Stay with me on this. I got something to tell you here today. He says here, verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. We groan within ourselves. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now the word adoption here does not mean we are adopted into the family of God like Israel. Because over in Galatians it talks about even Israel had to be adopted. The adoption is for our fleshly bodies or earthly bodies to be adopted to the heavenly body. Like as unto his glorified body. That's why we are joint heirs with Christ. Just as his body in the resurrection was glorified and he put on a heavenly body. So likewise, praise the Lord, in the resurrection is our body glorified. You say, wait, wait a minute, Brother Myers. You know, wait a minute. When we're, we die, our body is put in the ground. Yeah, let me, let me show you something here. I want you to look with me for just a moment over in. Uh, I'm coming back to this in just a second. Look over in. Uh, look in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. 523. He says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Your body is what you see. That's the outward manner. That's the, that's the tabernacle that we're in. That is the word that the Bible uses. It's our outward appearance. It's our body. The, uh, the, the, uh, the soul is the person we are. It's who we are. It's the individuality. The spirit is the life that is in us. When we die, the soul and the spirit leaves the body. And the body stays with the earth. You know, from the earth it came, the earth it shall return. That's the talking of the body. Look in Ecclesiastes with you. I'm going to come back to this other in a moment. I've got some good things to show you here. Over in Ecclesiastes 12, 7. 12, 7. It's talking about death here, about dying. This is Solomon writing this. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. Talking about death now. Then shall the dust return unto the earth as it was. Talking about the body. And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now the, uh, the third chapter of this same book here uh, re- reveals pretty much the same thing. 321 talks about the same thing. And our spirit goes up to God who gave it. So when we die, uh, our flesh goes into the ground because it dies. It's the only part of body, soul, and spirit that dies is the flesh. Now, here's what Paul is saying here in Romans 28. He is saying that we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are filled with his spirit and our life is changed and we have the hope of glory. But the body is not redeemed yet. Everybody still with me on this? That's why he said here in this verse 23, 823, and not only they, that is the world that groans in pain and has their hardships, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we who are saved, 
we have our problems because we're still in the flesh. And it goes on to say here, uh, which are the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption. That is whenever the flesh is made holy. Praise the Lord. Waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies, which occurs in the resurrection. Now, what the scripture here is simply telling us here is that folks, I don't care how righteous and holy and how much you walk in the spirit. You're still going to have aches and pains. You're still going to grow old. You can't change it because we are still in this earth. We are this earth earthly. I'm talking about the body here now. But thank God we have the hope of the resurrection. That's where our hope is. And Jesus Christ, when he died, he rose the third day and was in a resurrected body for 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he was glorified. And after that, when people would see him, it would be like Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. He was brighter than the noonday sun. It blinded Paul for three days. He had to have prayer to to have his sight come back to him. And then John saw him on the Isle of Patmos and fell at his feet as a dead man. He, He couldn't look upon him. I'm telling you here the power of the glorified body of Jesus Christ. And the the Bible tells us that we, because we are going to be joint heirs with Christ, we are promised a glorified body. So that when the resurrection happens, our bodies are reunited with the soul and the spirit in a glorified body. I'm going to give you some scripture here for it a moment. Just hang on to your bonnet, you know. I'm going to give you some Bible here. I'm not talking through my hat. Amen. So the Lord is trying to tell us here that we have a wonderful hope. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to read here in 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. This is 1 John now, not St. John, but 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Praise the Lord. So we'll have a glorified body like as unto Jesus' glorified body. And the scriptures give us scriptures like this to give us an assurance of that. And uh, I just want to just tell you here today that we have this wonderful hope that God is going to change our bodies and change our lives and give us a wonderful hope that the world doesn't have. Now, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, there are numerous verses of scripture in the Bible that tells us about the, uh, the Lord. I want you to look at this 15th chapter first. And let me find it as well. There we go. Look at 1535. 1535, this is a resurrected chapter. But some men will say, how are the dead raised raised up? And with what body do they come? So now Paul Paul is going to explain the resurrection. You see, in the days of Christ, even among the Jews, there were some that did not believe in the resurrection. And the resurrection has to be the body because that's the only part that dies. The soul and the spirit doesn't die. It returns to God. And I don't care what condition the body ever becomes. It doesn't matter what God, God's able to do all things. Forget it. You know, I mean, there was many Christians burned at the stake. You know, many people buried at sea. I mean, going on and on. 
It doesn't matter. The Bible talks about the sea giving up the dead. It talks about, you know, the earth giving up the dead. So forth. Let me read this verse of scripture to you. But some men will say, or some, the word man here is, uh, is in italics, meaning the translators added that word to give it clearer meaning. But if you don't use it, it's still. But some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, thou that sowest is not quick and accept it die. In other words, the body has to die for it to be changed. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be. But bare grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to ever seed his own body. Now, let me give you a little bird's eye view here. If you take a, a, a grain of corn, let's take a piece of corn. You plant it in the ground. You know, everybody knows what a piece of grain of corn looks like. You plant it in the ground. And whenever it comes out of the ground and starts growing, it pops out of the ground and it's one great big giant grain of corn, right? Wrong. It comes up a little, little, little sprout. And it grows up and it's got little limbs little leaves and it grows on up and it's got next thing it's got ears and buds and, and then next thing it's got, it's got ears of corn all over it looks nothing like the grain that was put in the ground everybody understand and that's what Paul's bringing out he said it's one thing when it goes in the ground it comes out something else <coughs> meaning we're buried a carnal body but we are resurrected a spiritual body this is what he's bringing out God, the Bible says in the 38th, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to ever seed his own body. Uh, just to pick up a little further down in that same chapter in the verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 48, in that same uh, 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthy. The word earthy is not earthly, it's earthy. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. If the spirit of God dwell in us. You understand what Paul is bringing out here to us in all of these verses. Verse 51, look at this very closely here now. Behold, I show you a mystery. <clears throat> we shall not all sleep, that is die and be buried, but we shall all be changed in a moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. The corruption is the dead, the mortality are those who are alive. So we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. This is brought out in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 as well in a very complete and and complete sense. I'm reading also over here in Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven from whenceforth also we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, 
who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So what I am pointing out to you here simply, folks, from the word of God is how essential it is and how important it is for us to have the spirit of God in us just for the resurrection. Praise the Lord. And even though our soul, our spirit is redeemed of the Lord now by the spirit, our bodies are not yet redeemed. So the next time you're suffering with the arthritis or the next time, you know, you get, you fall off a step ladder and, you know, injure yourself. Just say, well, I'm still in the flesh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, it's just things are going to happen, you know. Things will happen. But one of these days, one of these days, if we live and the Lord comes, we will be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first. I'm quoting now from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Praise the Lord. And they'll rise to meet the Lord. And they'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. Praise the Lord. And be, you know, it'll be the glorified body. And let me just say something here. God bless you people who have dealt and do deal with handicaps. And some of our people, God love you. You've dealt with handicaps. You've dealt with a problem in your body, in your life. You've dealt with it, some of you, all your life. Some of you have had things in your body all of your life. And, and I know that. And you've dealt with that. But one day, one day you're going to have a glorified body. We're all going to have a glorified body. And whenever we do, praise the Lord, amen, it'll be for eternity. That's why it's worth living for God. It's worth serving the Lord. It's worth walking with God for, praise the Lord, because the Lord's going to give us something far greater than anything we can ever imagine. But until then, we are still in the, we're still on the earth. We're still in this earthly body and we're going to still have our aches and pains. We'll still have this and that that'll go on. But one of these days, and the Lord helps us along the way, even through those things. But one of these days, the Lord is going to also redeem us and bring us out. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to go just one step further with this. When Jesus appeared in the resurrection to his disciples, he said, touch me to see that I am flesh and bone. Jesus did not say flesh and blood. He didn't say flesh and blood. Touch me to see I am flesh and bone. The reason is because Jesus had no blood in him at the resurrection. I am flesh and bone. You know why? Because the blood had been shed. Now listen to me closely here. Thank God for the blood. But Jesus shed the blood. Judas, when he betrayed Jesus and later went back to those priests and gave them back to, threw the money on the, on the floor in the temple. He said, I have betrayed the innocent blood. He didn't say I have betrayed innocent blood. I have betrayed the innocent blood. That is the blood in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was innocent, he was perfect, he was pure, and ever since the word, he never sinned. He had no sin in his life. His blood was pure and clean and holy, and it was shed on Calvary and given for you and me. Let me just say it like this. He gave his blood to the earth that our bodies that are is of the earth may be made heavenly. I don't know if, 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 if you can pick up on what I'm saying here. 
But not only is our soul and spirit saved, but also he gave his blood to this earth, not to take it back, not to receive it again, but it's given to the earth that you and I who is of the earth earthly may be heavenly and have a heavenly body one day. It was an exchange. God did that for us. And that's part of the wonderful, wonderful understanding about the resurrection is that Jesus Christ gave his blood that we may have this wonderful, uh, wonderful presence of God. Let me read this verse of scripture to you here in 1 Peter uh, 1.18. He says, for as much as you know, this is 118 of 1 Peter. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Who would ever think of gold and silver as being, being, corrupt, being corruptible things? You know, silver, corruptible, gold, corruptible. Peter calls it corruptible. He says, no, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And so the Lord gave his blood, the holy blood, the pure blood, the undefiled blood, the blood in which there is none other like it. Praise the Lord. He gave that blood unto us that we might be saved and that our bodies that are earthly may be heavenly. And I read this verse again to you in 1 John 3, 2, and I read it a while ago. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall know that when he appear, we shall be like him, but we shall see him as he is. So our glorified body is going to, I mean, our earthly body is going to have a glorified body like as unto Jesus' body because the Lord, praise the Lord, gave his uh, blood for us, shed it for us. And I think that every one of us ought to say, God, I thank you for it. And one of these days we'll walk streets of gold. Now I'm going to give you a verse of scripture that the Lord gave me here a while back and it had been a blessing to me and I've, I've never preached on it, never, never, uh, never had a message on it, but, and I haven't mentioned it to my family, but I'm going to ask my family one day, put this on my tombstone when I die, if, if I die before Jesus comes. I hope, I hope I wait, I hope I last the rapture, but at my age, I probably won't. But this is what I want you to look with me, if you would, over in the Revelations chapter uh, three, Revelations chapter three. And this is talking about the seven churches of Asia. Here's what it says. I, this, I got a picture of this one day, three and four. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis. He's talking about the church of Sardis now which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white. And on my tombstone, I want to put, he shall walk with him in white. He shall walk with Christ in white. Now you say, brother Myers, that's no big deal. Then over the book of Revelation 19 chapter, it says that uh, the, the apparel of the saints of God is white linen cloths. You know, we shall walk with him in white. And I got a picture of this. If the Queen of England were to ask any one of us, you know, just any one of us, you know, uh, Shirley, I'm going to use you as an example. Say you're in England and uh, just stand up where we're, everybody know who I'm talking to. Okay, this is Shirley. God bless you, Shirley. You can sit down. So what if you're in, the, in England and 
you're there visiting and you're at Buckingham Palace and all of a sudden the queen is going to appear before thousands of people. And you're there and she says to you, Shirley, come with me. I want you to stand by me. I want you to be with me. I got to make a little speech. I got to talk to the multitudes of people. I want you to walk with me. So when she walks out with all of her royalty, you walk out with her. Praise the Lord. And you're with her and you are like her friend. Would that be honor or what? Would that be honor? I mean, nobody's going to throw no rocks at you, you know. (laughs) Nobody's going to be spitting at you. Nobody's going to be jeering you. I mean, you know, not that they do it in here. I don't mean that. But I'm just saying, everybody's going to be nice because you're walking with the queen. On the day of judgment, I want you to picture this. I don't know how many was that, seven billion people on the face of the earth today? How many people have lived and gone on? Billions. I don't know how many billions of people that's going to be at the white throne judgment of God. And the Lord is going to walk out to his throne and we're going to walk with him. Think about it. All these people, that's going to be all the Hitlers, Genghis Khan's, Joseph Stalin's, Tojo's, you name them, all the, okay, you can go on and on naming all the villains and the mean people and the killers and the murderers and the rapists and the mean people, mean people. They're going to all be there shaking in their boots because the God of glory is going to sit in judgment and you and I are going to walk with him. I don't care what you're going through today. I don't care what you're suffering today. I don't care what your problems are today. I promise you it's going to happen. It'll happen because the book says it's going to happen. And this book is never wrong. Praise the Lord. And one of these days, we're going to walk with him in white. Hallelujah. And we'll walk out with the Lord and we'll walk with him. Praise the Lord. And we'll have that glorified body like as any because we'll be joint heirs with Christ. We'll be the sons of God. And we'll walk with him in white. Hallelujah. It's not necessarily the white garments. It's the fact we'll be with Jesus. And all the world that's ever lived will be sitting and they'll see Jesus come. And here we are walking with him. Praise the Lord. And just walking by side, walking in his entourage of his special sons and daughters who've lived for God on this earth and paid the price and said, I'm going to live for God. I don't care what I go through. And one of these days, praise the Lord, and I would dare say we're in the rapture generation and probably most of you will see the rapture. But one of these days we'll be with Christ. And I'm just telling you folks, it'll be worth it when that happens. I wonder if we could all just stand together and give our, give praise to God and thank him. I, I love you people. God bless you. You're the best people on the face of the earth. More than that though, God loves you. God loves you. He wants to help you with every problem you ever deal with. Let's worship him together right now. Let's thank him. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We magnify your name. We praise you, Jesus, how great you are. You're a wonderful God, Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for the people of God, Lord, that's above everybody else. And we may go through trials and tests and heartaches and sorrows and problems in this life, God, but you never forsake us. You never have left us. You never will, God. And we trust you fully and totally today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.